Well, thank you so much, Dr. Brown. You know, I think I'm just going to come right out and say it. And I know I'm not the first person to make this point, but as I thought about how I wanted to begin this year, our very first sermon in our very first chapel, I decided that I couldn't start this year off in any other way. COVID is the worst. Like, right? Can I just get an amen in the room for that? Thank you, right? Last year was my first, as I mentioned, serving here at Sterling College as chaplain. And in about late February, I finally felt that I was getting my feet underneath me. And and then what happened in early March? The entire world turned upside down and everything in my life and yours too flipped over. I know you feel that with me. The list of what COVID has taken from us is long. From classes being forced to online, to canceled graduation ceremonies, to lost athletic seasons, and beyond. Maybe even some of you have lost a friend or a family member to COVID. Whatever your story is, what is true for all of us is that our lives will never be quite the same. Yes, we'll return to normal at some point, but I'm not breaking any news this morning to say that the world has changed forever. We're living through the biggest moments of our lives, and it's hard, isn't it? Can we just sit in that for a moment? COVID is the worst, and these past few months have been hard for all of us. Go ahead and just take a moment this morning to acknowledge that, to feel that with me. Breathe in deeply. Do it right now. Now breathe out. What we're going through is difficult, and trust me, we do ourselves more harm when we try to deny the difficulty, so don't do that. Don't deny the difficulty. Acknowledge it instead. And it's not just COVID, is it? No, there are other reasons why these past few months have been particularly challenging. Like the unjust and racist killing of George Floyd over Memorial Day weekend. George Floyd's murder sparked a national conversation about race in this country that is long overdue. The fact is that our country has an incredible amount of historic and current inequalities that are directly linked to the color of your skin. We need to talk about that, and beyond that, we need to do something about that. Because it's not just George Floyd, is it? But there are other names to say, aren't there? Breonna Taylor... Ahmaud Arbery. And if we go back farther than than just this year, than just 2020, you know, I was thinking about it just the other day. Uh, Long before I was chaplain here, I got invited back to Sterling College Chapel as a guest speaker four years ago in 2016. And it was right after Terrence Crutcher got shot and killed. And I stood on this stage and I talked about that tragedy in 2016. My Bible passage that morning was Isaiah 25, and I preached about how one day God was going to right every single wrong, including the unjust killing of black and brown people. We're still waiting for that day. Well, the difference was that in 2016, after I preached that message, I got in the car and I drove away. I left. But I'm here now. And I'm here to stay, and so at the beginning of the year, from me, from your pastor, from your chaplain, I want you to hear me say, black and brown life matters. (laughs) 
black and brown life matters. And what I want you to hear me say more than even just that is that I believe that because I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe that because as I study the scriptures, I see it within them so clearly. I believe that because it is what God believes. Now, please hear me correctly. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not registering support for a political organization with this statement. Not at all. And also, like, of course all lives matter. Of course all lives matter. I believe so deeply that every single time any one of God's precious image bearers, any time one of their lives is snuffed out, no matter the color of their skin, I believe that God grieves because he created that human being in his image. So yes, of course all lives matter. I fully understand that this is a complex conversation. It often gets heated. People get angry about these things. But, but just step back with me for a moment and listen, because I don't think the statement itself is actually that controversial. Black and brown life matters. I believe that, and I want you to hear me say it. I've been doing my best to genuinely listen to people of color, and not just since Memorial Day, since long before that. And in my listening, I have learned so much. I've learned of stories of hardship and challenge, of difficulty and struggle, of injustice and inequality. I've learned that we have a long way to go. I've learned I have a long way to go. We have a long way to go in this campus community. We have a long way to go in our broader community. We have a long way to go in our world. And I do not have all the answers. So far from it. But I do have an open office door. And I do believe in a God who hears our prayers. So whoever you are, no matter what your story is, no matter the color of your skin, come and see me. I'll listen. I guarantee that I'll learn. And we'll pray together. In fact, let's do that right now. Let's pray. Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we desperately need you. We desperately need you. I don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. These are complex conversations. This is a difficult moment in our country related to racial unrest. This is a difficult mon uh, moment in our country and in our world related to a global health pandemic. We, we don't know what you're up to, Lord. We're asking how long. We're begging you to reveal yourself. Be with us, Lord, here at Sterling College. This year, we know you are with us, but make yourself known in powerful ways throughout this school year. As we enter into your word this morning, Lord, I pray that I would diminish and you increase. Speak to us through me, Lord, and help me get out of the way. In Christ's name, amen. I've been praying a lot over these past few months of struggle and challenge, and one thing that I kept submitting to God over and over and over again was a prayer for wisdom and direction regarding which passage of the Bible I should choose for Sterling College's new academic year. That's one of my uh, tasks of privilege, to select our annual Bible verse or Bible verses, and I am so grateful that God drew my heart in a particular direction in his word. God drew me to two little verses, two little verses in the middle of a tiny little book in the Old Testament called Lamentations. But before we get to those verses, the ones that I've actually selected for this year, I want us to learn together a bit more about the book of Lamentations more broadly. To lament something 
To lament something means to grieve or to sorrow in it. So then the Bible book of lamentations, lament, lamentations is all about that. It's all about expressing grief and sorrow. Does that sound familiar to anyone else today? Expressing grief and sorrow? I feel that that is all I've been doing since mid-March. Grieving this, sorrowing in that. I believe that the Lord drew my heart toward this tiny book in the Bible because of how much it matches our moment. Which means that it's hard to read, to be honest. Lamentations is not the most cheerful book. But also, like, hasn't 2020 been kind of the worst and not at all cheerful? So that, that sort of matches, doesn't it? It's exactly the point. In fact, I believe so deeply, I believe so deeply that just about the only good thing to happen in 2020 was the Chiefs Super Bowl win. I got, I got a picture. There we go, right? Oh, I, I forgot that's bad news if you're not a Chiefs fan. I'm sorry. Well, here's some good news you can all be happy about. My wife Ashley and I are expecting again, huh? There, that, that's, that's one of the only good things to happen in 2020, but I happen to be a Chiefs fan, so I, I like that too, right? But again, this is not groundbreaking to say that 2020 has been difficult. That's just a fact. And it's also a fact that the book of Lamentations is a hard book. It's written by the prophet Jeremiah, who uh, his job as a prophet was to speak God's word to God's people. He was a messenger and the message that God gave him was one of difficult warning. God's people had abandoned him and his ways, and Jeremiah was asked to warn them that the Lord would bring about discipline for their rebellion. People didn't listen. God's people didn't heed that warning, and eventually the Lord's discipline came in the form of capture and captivity, as well as in the form of the destruction of their capital city, Jerusalem. And that, that, the destruction of Jerusalem is what this tiny little book of Lamentations is all about. Jeremiah reflects upon the enormous difficulty of the hardship of the city that he loved, and he pours out his heart in the book of Lamentations in the form of poems and prayers. So yes, that's different than our moment here in 2020, right? But I still believe that there is so much that we can glean by entering in and exploring together. I believe that there is much that the Lord still has to stay to us through lamentations that is relevant to our moment a couple thousand years later and a few thousand miles away. I believe that because God's word is living and active and he, he speaks through it to each and every one of us. And so we're going to jump into the book of lamentations in the middle, right in the middle, in fact, of the entire book, the middle of chapter 3. This book is easy to miss. It's tucked between Jeremiah and Ezekiel, which are these massive books, so you can kind of skim past it. But if you have your Bibles, you can find it in there, or I'll have the verses on the screen for you. But we're entering in in the middle of chapter 3, which means that we have already had, at this point in the book, 2.5 chapters of grief and sorrow, of suffering and pain. If you have a moment to read through all of Lamentations later on today or later on this week, what you'll find is that there is not a positive word in the book up to this point yet. It's a bleak picture, which I actually really appreciate that. 
It's really important because I think sometimes we can get this incorrect idea that we have to stuff our pain, that we have to hide our pain, that we have to conceal our pain. We can get this wrong idea that God doesn't want our complaints, that he doesn't want our anger, that he doesn't want our frustration. But then you come to a book of the Bible like this, Lamentations, and you realize, wow, God must want me to be honest with him. Why else would he put something like this in his Bible? So it's 2.5 chapters of brutally honest prayers of pain. And then we pick it up in Lamentations 3, verses 19 and 20. Those will be on the screen for you. Jeremiah writes, he prays, he pours out, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. Verse 20, my soul continually remembers it, and it is bowed down within me. Let's make sure we catch what is happening in these verses. In verse 19, maybe you heard it in my voice, Jeremiah is crying out in anguish about his painful experience. He names them affliction. He names them wanderings. And then he further explains by calling what he has experienced the wormwood and the gall, which I know is confusing. But the wormwood and the gall, both of these are substances that are extremely bitter. Extremely bitter. I think with me about the last time that you ate something that you didn't think was going to be bitter and it turned out to be bitter. That's awful, right? That is what Jeremiah is saying his life has been like. His experiences are. And I just wonder, does, does Jeremiah 3.19 or Lamentations 3.19, does that resonate with anyone here today? Have you felt as though you've been suffering through a season of wandering? Have you been experiencing affliction in some way? Was your extended and canceled summer, was it bitter at all to you? If verse 19 is a cry of anguish, then I believe that verse 20 is a, is a quiet whisper, a sad whisper. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul, my soul continually remembers it, and it is bowed down within me. I'm curious if verse 20 connects with anyone else like it connects with me. The fact that Jeremiah names his experience as, as a continual remembrance, like you can't think about anything else. When I'm navigating a season of struggle, it too often overwhelms and consumes my thoughts, my emotions, my inner being, my soul, as Jeremiah puts it. And that image Jeremiah names of his soul being bowed down within, I feel that, almost as if my soul is, is like tucked in the corner, curled up in the fetal position. I can't be the only one, right? Right? Well, where does Jeremiah go from here? His soul is bowed down within him. He has poured out two and a half chapters of pain and anguish. What comes next? What's verse 21? Well, in my mind, it is one of the most incredible turns in the entire Bible. You see, verse 21 begins with a tiny word, a tiny, tiny word that is incredibly important, but, but, pain, frustration, difficulty, but, anxiety, challenge, struggle, but, 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 but what? But what? What comes after this that might turn Jeremiah out of this place? The rest of verse 21, but this I call to mind, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. 
Okay, we have to keep going, right? But stop with me for just a second because I want you to notice a couple things before we get to verses 22 through 24. Notice a couple things with me within verse 21. First, it is incredible that Jeremiah can name that he has hope at all. This is mind-blowing that he says here, I call something to mind, we'll get there, and therefore I have hope. Just back right before our passage where we started in verse 18, he wrote this, my endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. And then seconds later in verse 21, he's like, wait, no, I have some hope. Do you feel that tension? In one moment, he's naming that he doesn't have any hope, and then it's, it's all gone, it's perished, it's disappeared, but then seconds later, he's like, no, I have some, therefore I have hope. Some people might say that that's chaotic and inconsistent, but I say that's just what it is to be human going through a hard time. There's moments where you don't feel like you can go on any longer and moments where you still have that little tiny glimmer of hope or maybe even a little more. At least I know that's true for me. And apparently it was for Jeremiah as well. Now, here's the other thing I want you to notice in this verse. He says, but this I call to mind. This I call to mind, to mind, and therefore I have hope. Notice with me that Jeremiah is intentionally choosing to think about something. To think about something. He's intentionally choosing to dwell upon something in his mind. And I cannot overstate the importance of this. I think often we overlook this. I'm sure, now you've noticed there is an incredibly strong tie. There's an incredibly strong tie for all of us as humans between what we think about, what we think about, and what we feel. There's a ridiculously strong tie between what we think about and what we feel. But notice also with me that you can't change your thoughts by way of your feelings. You can't change your thoughts by way of your feelings. It doesn't flow in that direction. But we can, by the power and grace of God, slowly but surely shape and change our feelings if we are intentional and selective about what we think about. That's what Jeremiah is doing here in verse 21. He is slowing down and he is making a choice to change what he thinks about. And in doing so, he discovers that there is an ember of hope in what he feels. An ember of hope in what he feels. By changing what he thinks about, he's slowly but surely changing what he feels. He's replacing the difficult and negative and hard thoughts about his circumstances with thoughts that are in a more positive direction. What are they? What are they? What does he turn his mind to? This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What is it? Well, here it is, some of the most beautiful verses in the entire Bible. And what I have selected is Sterling College's passage for the 2020-2021 academic year. Lamentations 3, verses 21 through 23. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Here it is. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. Where does Jeremiah turn his thoughts? 
toward the steadfast love of God, toward the fact that God's mercies are never-ending, that they renew each and every morning, towards God's faithfulness, toward God's strength, toward God's immovability, toward God's, the fact that he is a rock, never to be shaken, never to be broken. That is where Jeremiah turns his thoughts. That is what he calls to mind and reflects upon and thinks upon and meditates upon. Listen, I get it. When things are challenging, it can be easy to forget that God is still on his throne, that no matter what, he still reigns supreme. It can be easy to forget, but the truth is that God has never once been surprised. God has never once been caught off guard. God has never once taken his eye off the ball. Friends, here it is, plain and simple. Even in the midst of the chaos, God is still in control. Even in the midst of the chaos, God is still in control. And this is where Jeremiah turned, chose to turn his thoughts in the middle of his chaos. And I invite us to follow in his example and do the same. In doing so, Jeremiah discovered just a kernel of hope. A kernel of a belief that somehow, some way, the Lord was working in and through the midst of his difficult circumstances. And it is my hope and prayer for all of us that we would discover the same. I know this invitation might be a difficult one to accept. In the moments when life is crashing down around us, it is challenging to think about anything else. It's all-consuming, right? Jeremiah says, my soul continually remembers it. He has to make a choice to turn in a different direction. I know this is challenging, but, but what if this is the better way? What if turning to God could give you a kernel of hope just like it did for Jeremiah? What if? Maybe you want to, but you don't know how. Maybe you're interested in exploring more. Thankfully, Jeremiah doesn't abandon us in those hopes and those questions. And as we close this morning, let's look at three more verses from this passage, verses 24 through 26. Here's what those verses read. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Oh, there's a lot of richness in these verses. Allow me, if I can, to rephrase them as a next step. I want to give you a next step this morning that we can all take, that we can all take to turn to God in the midst of our challenges. I invite you with me to wait in hope, choosing God as your portion, and trusting in Jesus for your salvation. I invite you with me to wait in hope, choosing God as your portion, and trusting in Jesus for your salvation. Now, I may have almost lost some of you already because I know how hard waiting is. I know how hard waiting is. It's so difficult to wait. And Jeremiah gets that too. In verse 27, just the next verse after what I read, he refers to waiting as a yoke, a burden to bear. But he actually also says, it is good to learn how to bear this yoke in your youth which means that it is good for you, for me, for all of us, for my kiddos, Bevan and Owen and the baby on the way, to learn how to wait well, to learn how to wait well as young as you possibly can. Because you never graduate waiting in this life. 
You never graduate waiting in this life. You're always waiting for something, waiting for high school to end, waiting for college to begin, waiting for this pandemic to end, waiting for racial injustice to end, waiting, waiting, waiting for meaningful friendships, for a romantic relationship, for the right job to come along, for that pay raise, for you to get pregnant if you're married. We're all waiting, right? What are you waiting for right now? I guarantee you have an answer. And as you're waiting, do you think it's possible to do so with hope? With hope. But that's what Jeremiah is aiming at in this passage. He ties these ideas of waiting and hope so closely together. As you wait, can you look out to the future with the kernel of a belief that God has a plan, that he is working things out? Can you move forward in trust and faith? Can you look forward and see God's up to something in the midst of everything, in the midst of my waiting. God is up to something. something. That is waiting in hope. And waiting in hope is so much easier to do when you choose the Lord as your portion. Waiting in hope, it's actually probably impossible really to wait in hope if you don't daily choose the Lord as your portion. Now this image of the Lord as, as your portion, I want you to think of a big banquet table, Right? with all this food laid out, all these different portions. You're famished, you're sitting down to a meal, that as you eat it, it will give you strength, it will give you delight. What do you choose first as your portion? Is the Lord your chosen portion? Or is it something else? And we can choose the Lord as our portion by taking him in daily, by way of reading his word, by way of communicating and communing with him through prayer, by way of participating regularly in authentic relationship with his people, and on and on and on. There are multiple ways to choose the Lord as your portion daily. The reality is that you are feeding your soul on something. You are giving your soul portions. The only question is what? Is it the Lord? Or is it something else? If you choose the Lord as your portion, you will discover that you have an ability to wait in hope. Wait in hope, choosing the Lord as your portion, and finally, trust in Jesus for your salvation. Verse 26 from Jeremiah again, from Lamentations, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Friends, I have good news for you this morning. In fact, I have the best news You see, when Jeremiah poured his heart out in prayer, he was anxiously waiting for God's salvation, and he was unsure of what it would look like. Jeremiah didn't know what God's salvation would look like, but we do. We do. Because roughly 500 years after Jeremiah wrote this verse, God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to earth, born as a baby in a barn to the Virgin Mary, raised by a carpenter in a forgotten small town, lived only until he was 33, and yet this man, who was also God, turned the world upside down, did he not? Because Jesus Christ is God's salvation that Jeremiah was waiting for. And friends, we have the benefit the beautiful good news benefit of living on this side. We're not waiting to see what God's salvation is going to be. We know what salvation, God's salvation is. It's Jesus Christ, God's salvation. The good news is that you and I, we desperately need a savior. We have rebelled against God and his ways. We have broken our lives. We have broken the world and we cannot save ourselves. We will die trying. 
But God did not abandon us in that struggle. No, instead, he sent Jesus to live the life that we were supposed to live and couldn't. He sent Jesus to die the death that we all deserved because of our rebellion and our sin. And then he raised Jesus from the dead three days later. Death couldn't hold him. Jesus walked out of that grave and lives again. And he reigns again, seated at the right hand of the Father. And his hand is outstretched to you. He is offering you his salvation. You don't have to wait like Jeremiah did. You don't have to anticipate like Jeremiah did. Jesus, right now in this moment, is extending his hand of salvation. And he is saying to you, trust in me. Wait no longer for your salvation. How will you respond? Listen, I know things are hard right now. I know they are. Take this next step with me. Even if it's just a small step, wait in hope. Choose the Lord as your portion and trust in Jesus for your salvation. One of the places that I have gone to over and over and over again over these past few months is the book of Psalms. I cannot recommend it to you highly enough. And over and over again, I have returned to the most famous Psalm, Psalm 23, written by King David. Do you know who came from King David's line? Jesus, God's salvation. And David was a king, he was a shepherd, and he wrote Psalm 23. And this morning, I just want you to close your eyes right now and let me pray this psalm over you as we close. We pray this psalm over with you as we close. We'll have a couple of songs of worship after that, and we'll get you guys out of here. Hear now Psalm 23 as a prayer prayed over you at the beginning of this year. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our souls. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though we walk through the valley of deep darkness, we will fear no evil because you are with us. You are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our heads with oil. Our cups overflow. Surely the steadfast love and mercy of the Lord shall follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.